warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! The Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. Hi, you're listening to the Bone Bat Show. This is Rick Johnson, the Mustard Plug. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode OMG 111 of the <laughs> Bone Bat really Show. Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation oh. point! Episode. This is Steve, and this is Gord. How's it going, man? I tell you, I'm still trying to recover from earlier. I'm not sure if I'm quite up to doing a show just now. I've, earlier, I've experienced a trauma. A trauma. A trauma. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm afraid to ask more, but go ahead and tell us anyway. Well, here's the thing. My shower is a very small, confined closet of a place. There's no fan. It's just like they, at the last minute when they're building this house, they're like, oh, crap, we need a shower. What's the smallest place we could possibly put one? Right there. <laughs> okay. It's a steamy area. We open a window to try to let out the the steam when you're taking a shower, and, and you, you get the idea. Anyway, I had this just horrific thing happened to me whilst I was in the shower doing my regular shower thing trying to get clean trying to remove the filth of the day from me and because I'm human and this happens to everyone I farted okay and it was it was a terrible foul 
just violent kind of fart. The kind of fart you don't want to be locked in a small, dank space with, and yet there I was. Like rotten eggs and... Just like, wet, I don't know, like something wet something dog. went really wrong inside of me and was is just screaming to get out. So I, I was reflecting upon this when none other than the person I love with all my heart, the one person in the world I don't want to offend and make myself seem yucky to, my wife walks into our bathroom and I'm feeling gross and I'm in this little box of gross <laughs> and and she says to me, hey, I brought you a towel. The thing is, I, I just sort of done this yelling back and forth thing with her saying, hey, are you about done? Yeah, I'm done. Hey, I'm going to bring you a towel. Great. Then the fart. And so she comes in bringing me the towel. And now I'm in this weird spot where she's just sort of standing on the other side of the, the door, happily holding this towel, waiting for me like she thinks I'm about to turn off the shower and take it. And I'm in a situation where I'm on the other side of the door thinking, I really don't want to let this out and have her have the traumas of A, having to see me with no clothes on, because frankly, <laughs> that's not a treat. And then associating that with this terrible, vile smell. And, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to man up. We've lived together forever. We know each other's human. It's going to be something gross and maybe we'll laugh about it. I don't know. And I turn off the water to the shower and I'm going to now open the door and, and subject my lovely wife to these twin terrors of me naked and the smell. And the water is off and I, I turn, I step in something that's semi-solid on the floor of the shower. Oh my God, no. You didn't, dude. <laughs> and so, I mean, I am now absolutely petrified because there's no way I'm going to be able to pull this off. And I'm, whereas I was just completely kind of grossed out with myself before, I, I am beyond grossed out with myself. What in my mind has happened? And what, what can I do? So I did the, the only thing I could do at that point. I go, I lied. I said, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot to rinse my hair. And I turn the shower back on, and she's like, yeah, whatever, drops a towel now. So now she's saved, but I have to live with the idea that I've voided my bowels in the shower. <laughs> I'm not sure that's something I can live with. I'm not sure that's something you want to share with our audience. <laughs> but that's okay, because I look down, and I see I had stepped on a piece of soap. <laughs> oh, thank God. But I may never recover from the As I've stars. said many times on this show, because the alternative would be unthinkable. Yes. <laughs> so you didn't crap your shower. No, you know, um, I guess that's... The, You've got you that know, going for you. <laughs> and not of crap. The shower's half full. <laughs> the shower's half full of filth. <laughs> So you're right, I should be looking at this as a good thing. Hey, how's it going, Steve? I'm in a good mood. Did not crap in the shower today. Did you run out immediately and buy a can of those scrubbing bubbles, like in the commercial? Little ones <laughs> just cover right myself in it. Drink half the can. <laughs> Start trying to get the dirty thoughts out. Oh, my God. Feeling of being unclean. Uh, yeah, like this show now. Thank soap you for that. Soap, people, it was soap. Uh, I really feel bad for the <laughs> listeners who turned it off before they found out what I stepped in. Yeah, because they were all going, ah! <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I cannot listen to this anymore. Wow. Okay, well, uh, let's go to something pleasant after that. Uh, you know what? We're, I thought this was pleasant now. Hey, happy, let's, happy. Let's talk about our musical guest. Uh, we are lucky to have, returning this show, Grand Rapids, Michigan's own Mustard Plug, who we Mustard Plug, first yeah. uh, featured way, 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 way back in 2009, episode 23 of the Bone Bad Show. And they have a brand new album out that just hit today called Can't Contain It. And we're going to be playing a... <laughs> Much like Gordon's Bells. And we are going to be playing a bunch of new tunes. We opened the show with I, 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 which, again, appropriate to Gordon's story. And uh, we're going to be having a lot more fantastic ska from Mustard Plug, plus an interview with bassist Rick Johnson later in the show. So I hope you dig that. But first, before we get there, before we do yeah. anything else, Gord, what yeah. pisses you off? Besides what I just related to you? Yes, that would... You need more? <laughs> I didn't say what shits you off. I said what oh. pisses you off. Well, since we're on the topic of unclean things... Oh, thanks, yeah. Let's yeah. have some no, more of that. My, my handheld vac, my, my dust buster... Did you accidentally poop in that, too? <laughs> yes, how did you know? <laughs> I thought I did. <laughs> it was soap. It was soap. <laughs> I only wish... No, because that would be tough to explain. No, this this handy, powerful vacuum I've had forever. Please don't mention the word handy and suction in the same sentence. <laughs> With a mighty vortex of suction <laughs> that uh, I could wield. It died on me. It, it stopped sucking. And in the case of this particular appliance, that's a bad thing. And I, I went to buy another one on Amazon. I'm like, okay, that was great. It totally worked. It lasted forever. Going to get another one. I go on Amazon, and I see they still sell it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy this. Cool. Amazon Prime. Deliver it. But just before I do, I check the reviews, and it turns out that it has a lot of stars, but not five stars. It has a lot of stars because there's a lot of people like me that have been rating this thing five stars over the years. But in the last, like, year and a half, there's been a, a slight change to this particular model, and it's terrible. And people are giving it one star, and you can't <laughs> buy the good version of this product anymore. And I don't know what to do. I am completely paralyzed when it comes to dustbusters. I'm afraid I'm going to buy the wrong one. I don't have a dustbuster now. I know, because I hear that if you don't get the right, the right model, you can get the red ring of death. <laughs> Which is almost as bad as the brown ring of death. <laughs> Are you ever going to let this shower thing go? No, this may be the whole episode. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, speaking of terrible holes, I went to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of places where I pooped. <laughs> <laughs> On my dentist. You are truly the master of the segue, I gotta say. <laughs> yes, so. No, I went to the dentist today, just got my uh, teeth cleaned. I hate that. I, know, I think that's been what pisses me off in the past. But I just It's the most invasive kind of medical or pseudo-medical procedure that I've ever experienced. It's just, you know, 45 minutes of people with their hands in your face. It's just... <laughs> Bitching at you about not flossing. Enough. Right, you know, making me lie. <laughs> so, when was the last time you flossed? <laughs> um, 
You're trying to come in for that lie that sounds believable based on the amount of gum you have? Yeah, but really, between the gum and the amount of tartar, the coffee stains, you know, yeah. it's pretty clear to them exactly, probably like tree rings. They can probably <laughs> figure it down to the day when you floss last so. two years ago after yeah. you ate popcorn at the movies or something. Right. <laughs> like, one of the few reasons why you'd actually floss. Uh, I try. You know, I've been trying because I've got a dental appointment at the end of the month, and I've been trying to floss more. And I just always forget. That's the thing. But I, I'm trying. I'm making an effort. Yeah, that that won't save you from, from dental scorn. <laughs> I think they leave their fingers in my mouth for like an extra 15 minutes just to punish me. Wow, it's so invasive. I, I understand that a man my age, that there is just a certain procedure that happens at the other end that people say is invasive. I myself have never had the finger up the butt procedure, but I don't know. If I ever get my prostate examined. Yeah, well, you'll be 50 soon enough. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. I guess so. Man, now, this is do a... you know when it, when it does happen, though, is it okay to touch yourself while it's going on? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is at my dentist's office, there's like the sweet, nice dental hygienist who it's an absolute pleasure to work with her. And there's like the East German hygienist <laughs> <laughs> who, who really, it, it's her life mission to scrape the piss out of your mouth. What is there do piss doing in your mouth? I don't know, but God, man. The difference <laughs> afterwards, it's like your mouth has gone 10 rounds. And you never know what you're going to get. It's like, it could be a pleasant experience. It could be horrific for the next the 45 minutes. or the tiger. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I, I've got that to look forward to. Again. But that's not what's pissing me off. You know what's pissing me off? Well, you know, the Seahawks. We're very proud of our Seahawks here in the Northwest. They made it to the NFC Championship game where they're playing your 49ers this coming Sunday. Oh, wow. Very really? exciting. Yeah, you knew that. You watched the game. We text each other. Like, you're oh, really? This is news to me. Yeah, I don't live and breathe it, though. That's the difference. <laughs> and so I, I saw that commercial, the Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick, first of whatever. all, douchebag. It's like Copernicus, isn't it? No, not at all like Copernicus. <laughs> it's Colin Copernic. And his <laughs> commercial for, for Beats Audio, where they don't come right out and say it, but he... Colin Kaepernick is getting off the bus and there's he's just getting harangued by fans who are throwing shit at his bus. There's a guy that's pissing on the tires of the bus. There's like a little girl, filthy-mouthed girl, who's flipping him off and swearing. And the and, Seattle security situation is non-existent. Yeah, well, well, wait. Well, it right, right doesn't come out and say it's Seattle. How do we know well, it's... Well, it's... Even the, a slow person the like colors, The colors are blue and green. It's raining. Uh, there's a guy in a blue and green bird costume. There's a guy holding up a sea fence sign that has, doesn't have the holes punched out, which is like there's one fan at the Seahawks game who uses a sign like that and has done so for years. And so it's obviously what they're doing. But the thing that pisses me off about this is that Seahawks fans are a lot of things. We're loud. We're boisterous. We're excited about our team. We're not dicks. No, you're not. 
No, and a fan base that has had scorn heaped upon it. I mean, just a couple of years ago, Seattle was voted by one of the magazines one of the most miserable sports cities in the nation. <laughs> and to paint us as a bunch of obnoxious douche nozzles in this commercial really pisses me off. I think it's, it's not fair and it sucks. And they're doing it what? So this tattooed idiot of a quarterback can look better? I mean, <laughs> no, what the hell? No, they to sell product. But they're not going to sell any product in Seattle now, the dumbasses. You people are smarter than to own Beats devices. Oh, Come man. on. Yeah, I, I would not. I don't own any credit. now, but I wouldn't buy any. But that, yeah, you're just going to lose, lose sales in the Pacific Northwest. I think that sucks, and that commercial pisses me off. That's funny, because when I saw that commercial... I thought it was kind of amusing, but I just figured that they had a different one for each market. I figured up in Seattle, you guys were seeing something else. Yeah, you were seeing Russell Wilson get off the bus and a bunch of 49ers fans were haranguing him. <laughs> no, that's not the yeah, case. Another group of real rowdy fans. <laughs> right. They're, How about a group of Raider fans? They're brandishing their their Chardonnay glasses. Yeah, and... their swizzle sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously tweeting on their laptops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. That, that pisses me off. No, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry if you feel you've been unfairly maligned. Just to complete the thought, fuck the 49ers. <laughs> well, classy. Fuck you and fuck the 49ers. There, I, that, that was a little better. Gosh, Steve. <laughs> I don't know what your problem is. I mean, besides the fact you've never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the problem right there. I think you will find all of us Seattle fans, if there is a Lombardi trophy ensconced in this town come February 6th or whatever the date is, I think you will find us become much more even-keeled. It's been a long haul, Even-keeled, is that a nautical thing for you? It is, yeah. It's, yeah. it's been a long haul, man. You know, for a team with such an amazing record, y'all sure seem to have a serious inferiority complex. I don't know what the deal is. Because of years and years of suckage, dude. Oh, There's a okay. long and glorious career of bullshit around here when it comes to sports teams. <laughs> so it's not so much we an inferiority our, complex as a reality check. Yeah, our NBA team left for fucking Oklahoma. My God, Ooh. how shitty does it have to be? To leave you Seattle know everybody on to that go team for was like, what? Oklahoma City. I mean, Where are we going? Are we going to Florida? No. That's like having a hot chick break up with you right there. That You don't get over that. Really? Oh, dude, it's like a hot chick breaking up with you and then you being forced to, I don't know, date her ugly cousin? I don't know. <laughs> to watch your ugly cousin in a porn with her. <laughs> Transmitted live on the internet from Oklahoma. And that's, seen in my shower. Yes, that's that's terrible. It's terrible. Ugh. God. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so glad that didn't really happen. I would have had to just take yeah. the bathroom down to the studs. Yep, I'm glad that didn't happen too. Well, dude, why don't well, we listen to a tune from Mustard? Let's Boy? do that. All right. The, here's a song from 1997's album Evil Doers Beware. I hope this song doesn't rub you the wrong way. Miss Michigan. <laughs> Take turn away. 
Dirty Miss Michigan. Oh, baby, I know you're the one for me. When other girls treat me bad, you're always by my side. Sugar, no one could ever take your place. All right, we are back once again, and that was Miss Michigan off the album Evil Doers Beware by Mustard Plug. And joining me now is Rick Johnson bassist and keyboardist for that very same band how you doing rick pretty good yourself very well thank you so much for joining us on the show it is awesome to be able to catch up with you find out what's going on with this band that i've been listening to for so long awesome yeah good to uh talk to somebody about that (laughs) no as i I was a As I was mentioning to you, I lived in Michigan from like 1995 to 2000, so I saw you guys a number of times. Uh, most notably, I'd catch you at uh, Blind Pig in Ann Arbor, which it's still yes. cool to see that you play there today. But uh, yes. also the Ska Against Racism tour in 1998, which was just an amazing tour as well. Now, you kind of joined the band after that, so how did you enter the band? How were you invited to join Mustard Plug? I don't really know the whole their whole story about it. Basically, I just got to ask. I was literally on the streets of Grand Rapids and then saw Colin. Colin said to me, you're the new bass player. And I was just a little confused. I said, all right, cool. <laughs> and uh, now, now here I am. Yeah, so, and you've been with the band now over a decade, right? Sure. I don't, I, that's all fuzzy to me as far as, like, I don't exactly know the answer to that question. Sure, a decade, or maybe just a decade. <laughs> okay. And my, my mid-twenties, I wasn't was around a lot, so uh, it all feels like a blur. <laughs> I see what you mean. Well, and you were also uh, kind of responsible for the drummer joining the band as well, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we knew each other prior because we're from the same town. Uh-huh. And when uh, the drummer that was drumming when I joined, there was a very short list of people that could potentially do it. Okay. And he won the contest. Now, having, the two-man contest. <laughs> <laughs> now, having joined the band a little later, were you ever forced to wear the mustard yellow sports coat, or did you avoid that era? No, I, we've worn it on occasion. The thing with those coats, they're really big, like uh-huh. really big, like comically big. <laughs> and so everybody but me, it looks ridiculous on. <laughs> like, it actually fits me well because I'm a big guy, but uh, everybody else is just like, I 
cannot believe you're wearing that in there. Like, <laughs> Hollis is so big. They're like double or triple XL size jackets. So they may get pulled out more if they weren't so ridiculously large. Gotcha. Okay. They Damn. almost smell terrible. Oh, so. really? Yeah. The, the band doesn't hire a... Uh cleaner and an inventory no. person to handle that's, that? That's not in the budget. They're probably <laughs> sitting in a, in a bag in somebody's basement getting mildewy right now. <laughs> As we speak. Apparently. Maybe in a puddle of water. I don't know. Nice. Beer. Yeah. It could be beer. Sure. It'd probably be a game for us. It could be beer. <laughs> so tell me, uh, how vibrant is the ska scene right now? I know here in Seattle, even when we moved here, there was never kind of the excitement about ska that there was in the Midwest. I mean, when I was there, I remember there was a ton of bands locally. Like, you'd have uh, Gangster Fun and the Articles and Mustard Plug. And just down the road, you've got uh, MU330 and uh, a bunch of other Parker Kings, a bunch of other great bands in that area. And when I moved to Seattle, I, I didn't really notice there being that kind of a scene. And I know it's been a little while since then, but what is the ska scene like? It's a little small, I would say. Probably on the smallish side. The whole music industry seems a little smaller now. So when you're a subgenre of a genre that is already small to begin with, and I think when everything's also done, it's kind of small. It's still good, but, you know. Do you find, if you go to a new city, are there local bands who can step up and be on the bill with you, or is that tough to find? Uh, the weird thing is, like, all the local bands seem to be older, you know, older cats. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a, a, a crop of, like, consistent, young, good bands these days. I don't know what the reasoning behind that actually is. But it seems a little, a little weird. You know, like, like kids aren't starting bands anymore. <laughs> they're, uh, they're just playing with phones. Yeah, well, it's also, but, you know, I mean, there are still marching bands and things in school, and it seemed like, historically, a lot of ska bands came out of kind of the band geek mafia, you know, to take uh, the voodoo glow schools term, you know. Yeah, the problem with that is I think the youth culture, I guess, doesn't reflect as much of that anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. Even the band geek wants to be a DJ, a secret (laughs) DJ, you know. (laughs) Yeah, when I, when I see something like the Aquabats have a TV show now, though, it kind of gives me hope that maybe Ska will make another resurgence. Yeah, no, that I, I'd be down for that. <laughs> I've actually never seen that Aquabats show. It's pretty hilarious. It's kind of a is, kids is show. It pretty, is it pretty Ska heavy? You know, they're, they're as much a rock band anymore as they are Ska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, the, the main fun of it is it's completely what the fuck. I mean, they just do any right, crazy right. thing that they can think of. Like, there was a Christmas yeah. episode that ended with Santa and Krampus wrestling, and it was awesome. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the new album. Now, you actually recorded this in your own studio, correct? The Cold War I studio? Did. Yep. It was a long process. Yeah, how long did it take <laughs> to record it? it? Well, when everything was all said and done, I think the general time was it took about two years. Wow, um, okay. But I think hour count was at least spent like almost 100 hours on it well for two years so not the the amount of time seems like a long time but it's not that long you know <laughs> uh, but like we weren't working super diligently on it either you know? i guess though that does speak yeah. to the the quality of songs on it it's fucking great 
every oh, song, you're, you're bobbing your head to it, and it's it's really fun stuff, and it's as strong as anything in the catalog. And you don't see that all the time with independent music acts, where you know they come out with an album that is just killer at this point. So, congrats, right. well, man! It's really good stuff. The thing, with, the thing with us is that we take a really, really long time to put out a record, you know. So, all the bad songs are already been like, "That's bad. You can't do that anymore." <laughs> you know, like you're not looking for filler. You don't need that. No, not necessarily. I mean, it, one might creep in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the the unfortunate part of the process. You might get a little filler, you know. There's a percentage that's allowed. So what is the songwriting dynamic in the band? Do Colin and Dave drive the process, or is it kind of a team effort? It's kind of a team effort. Typically how it goes is, like, Colin or I will bring, like, a song structure in, mm-hmm. and then Colin or Dave will write words, and then Brandon or Jim will write the horn line, typically. On a rare occasion, the horn line will be provided by Colin or I or you know somebody will come up with a horn line but typically the general song structure is by Colin or I okay cool on a rare occasion I'll write some words but that's unbelievably rare (laughs) and you had a a few guests on this new album too on Can't Contain It correct Uh, Dan from MU330 made an appearance yes a couple friends that's pretty cool called in some papers (laughs) get a little collaboration going that's awesome well it wasn't really a collaboration i just called people and said we recorded a guitar solo here <laughs> and then they said okay and if they didn't get it to me inside it just somebody else went on that oh okay because yeah. a lot of the songs um, for that record we got to a certain point on them we just started adding stuff in the studio so like there was spots for solos and, and other things that nobody had ideas for, so it was just easier to send them to somebody else to, okay. uh, to finish that up, you know? Got it. So the album just hit on No Idea Records, correct? Yes, today. Today. It, it just comes out today, which would have been, whatever, the 14th? The January. 14th, yeah. yeah. So our listeners can get right on that. And what are your touring plans for this album? Um... I'm not really sure. I know this month we're going to Florida in a week. Okay. And doing a bunch of Midwest stuff. I think we're playing Canada and some East Coast stuff. Um, but I don't know if that's confirmed yet. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really certain. Well, no, ho- nothing crazy. Hope you uh, make it out to the West Coast sometime. Uh, it would be good to see you guys. We'll try. <laughs> it's hard for us to make it to Seattle. Those plane tickets are expensive. Yeah. Oh, and you guys don't spend all that time in the van anymore. Well, it's, a couple of us have kids, yeah. so it's hard for them to, you know, pull three weeks out in a row to make it up. As a dad, I absolutely understand. <laughs> and then uh, there's not a whole lot in between Denver and Seattle. Yeah, so, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. So it's interesting because we always end up because of that the geographic realities. You end up with like shows here that are like Wednesday nights because people want to be in L.A. or Chicago on the weekend. Right, exactly. You know, so so it's always oh the bitchin' bands in town, but you got to go on a school night. <laughs> it's almost like Seattle is now a B market. Yeah, yeah. Of, uh, the geographic trappings. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things we have to deal with with the rain, but that's that's okay. At least we're not buried in snow. 
We were buried in snow. We're kind of about to be more buried in snow, but it kind of melted in the past couple days. Oh, that's good. Well, yeah, it gives you a, yeah. a respite from shoveling the walk. Well, yeah. I have somebody that does that for me. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I shared a driveway with an, an old couple, and they, they wanted to spring for a plow service, and I was not going to uh, complain. <laughs> <laughs> no, why would you? Yes. I'm the up. All right, one question I've always wanted to know, and you I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, but you spent a lot of time in the van with Colin and Dave. Is there a story behind Mr. Smiley? I have no clue. <laughs> I've always wondered if there's some seed of truth, if he read a newspaper article or they read a newspaper article or, or what. But that, I mean, that it's the bounciest, most fun serial killer song I know. It goes on every Halloween mix I've ever made. I love that tune, and I've always been curious. Right? Yeah, I I don't really know. I, uh, part of me wants to think that it's not a, a true situation, but the song itself, I think, knowing Colin, it seems like it would be a play on the, let's write this super happy song about this terrible, dark, <laughs> dark topic, you know? Right. And there's the juxtaposition of that. I mean, I, I'll ask him. So in the future, in whatever, you know, however many, seven years from now, when we're talking again. Uh, <laughs> when your next album I'll, comes I'll out. I'll the answer. Okay, cool. So, uh, one other thing, I just off my mind. Uh, what about Rick Johnson's rock and roll machine? Is that an ongoing concern, or uh, do you kind of uh, bring that out for solo no, stuff? I, I kind of broke myself up. Um, <laughs> yeah, differences within the band. No, uh, that project kind of ran its course for me artistically. Okay, and then I had like a really bad hard drive crash. <laughs> oh, ouch. And uh, then I had a backup of that, which also, when I plug it into uh, back, you know, get the backup of the, the hard drive can work. So I lost much stuff, and I was kind of over it. You just stopped doing it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really tell it. I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. I just let the website just expire. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm happy I did it. Yeah. But you yeah. don't necessarily need an outlet for, like, your your solo voice when you come up with new musical ideas that aren't necessarily punks or ska. Right. Well, no, like, I, I was doing another band for a hot second that kind of took over around that time. Oh, okay. But uh, that is no more. And I always have, like, a project in the works that's kind of dealing with that aspect of my life that's not punk ska, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, man. Well, uh, last question. We always uh, ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Rick, what pisses you off? Not a whole lot. I'm pretty a pretty happy guy. <laughs> I'm pretty. I can pretty much let lots of stuff roll off my shoulders. Anything that really t- would piss me off that would be like would be classified as pissing me off. It's just you know, like it doesn't really matter. You know, like oh man. This person's not going at the stoplight right now. <laughs> like, you know, like, my life is not uh, terribly difficult. So. <laughs> I, well, well, lots of things don't bum me out. So. Well, good. Good for you, man. You know? I'm glad to hear <laughs> that you're that so much more well-adjusted than we are. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right, man. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about this next tune, the all-nighter? It was a... Uh, Late addition to the record. I think it's one of the last songs we wrote in its format now. 
it's one of the last songs that made the record. Before, it was a super punk rock song. Oh, really? Uh, so it was a lot yeah. harder? Uh, sure. There's more distorted guitars. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I think, one of the it, things... But it, it wasn't really, it wasn't like skate punk or anything. It was just like a little more Ramonesy. Oh, okay. Then one day the beat flipped around and now it's at where it's at. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I think since uh, in black and white, these two albums share sort of a, a loud, crunchy guitar sound that I think has kind of settled in over the course of the last two records. Sure, yeah. I mean, that might be, unfortunately, my fault. Because <laughs> uh, you like loud guitars? That's awesome. I love it. Just because, I don't know, before I joined the band, how the dynamic actually worked as far as songwriting went. But like, I'm not necessarily writing songs from a punk ska perspective all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and then Colin loves, likes, really likes loud rock guitarists. So, <laughs> like, I, unfortunately or fortunately, that's filtering into the scheme, you know, where people's new influences or new people's influences are influencing how that's going, you know. Well, it resulted in a great album. So, thanks for the great well, listening, man. Oh, no worries. All right, this is it, folks. The All Nighter.
once again. That was the All Nighter by Mustard Plug from their brand new album, Can't Contain It, on No Idea Records. Buy it now. You can find that at mustardplug.com. It's a great album, I've got to say. There's so many catchy tunes on it that uh, I've been listening to it over and over again. And, uh, you know, these guys take a long time to put out a new album. As Rick mentioned, I think it's been seven years since the last one. But, man, it was worth the wait. What a great album. It's really good stuff all the way through. So, what a listen. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I love it when a, a band you've just sort of kind of given up on ever putting out anything new. Bam! They hit you with something new. Yeah. And, you know, have it be quality. Like uh, what the Blue Meanies did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something that we're, we're trying to cash in or whatever. It, it's really a solid album. Speaking you, of ska bands that we assume are gone. Yes. Did you know that Real Big Fish yes. broke up and then reformed, containing all of one of the original members? I did not know And they know are now that. touring with Suburban that. Rhythm, as in whatever happened to Suburban Rhythms? I uh, didn't know that they had broken up. I did see recently that uh, they're coming to town at some point in the near future. And I hear they may be recording a, uh, you know, new material. Well, Honestly, I'm not sure though, I, how I feel about it if only one of the original members is still there. I guess if he's the you key know, guy. They've never done anything as good as that album with Sell Out on it, though. That's true. I, and I've Smash bought radio. a number of their later CDs, and Julie likes them a lot. But I don't think they ever were as good as that. So I don't know if I would like buy a new Real Big Fish album unless I heard it. Yeah. And there are a couple other bands like that. Like, Less Than Jake kind of got out of the ska thing and more yeah, and punk became, rock, like, sort of. Rock and roll yeah, which, stuff. and they weren't quite as catchy anymore. That was always their claim to fame was kind of just this amazing bag of hooks. And they weren't quite as catchy anymore, so I sort of fell out of love with them. But they're still, you know, the, the Michigan bands that I listen to, like Mustard Plug, uh, it's cool to see them still being vibrant for just that reason. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about our various projects. The Comedy of Horrors Film Fest, which will be taking place on April 26th, 2012 at Central Cinema in Seattle, Washington. Uh, as you know, Kickstarter, fully funded. We are confirmed. Uh, musical guests will be Beefy and Kirby Crackle. Uh, Kyle from Kirby Crackle is going to do an acoustic set. Really awesome stuff. Uh, currently, what we are doing, uh, we just sent out surveys to get information for all our backers. Uh, I still need T-shirt sizes and uh, a little bit of miscellaneous information from uh, a few of you. So if you could answer your surveys, check that. I'll also post a Kickstarter update video thing, too, in the very near future, just to, to jog your memory so you're reminded about that. But uh, the other thing is we're working on films. Right now I've got uh, feelers out for a bunch of features. And uh, at this moment, things are kind of sitting on hold. What we're waiting for really is Sundance to happen. There are a number of comedy horror films that are going to find their distribution at that festival. And that is going to be our opportunity to find out if we can get some of these movies. Now, that's what happened with Grabbers two years ago. Grabbers went to Sundance, went to distribution. It took a while to circle around and get back to us for the film festival. But it all worked out because we were able to show that. You know, we gave it at Seattle premiere. So... That's all kind of part of this process, how the Hollywood system or even independent film system works. That's an important cog in it. So we're going to know a lot more in a couple of weeks after Sundance is complete. These films will get their distribution and we'll find out what will be available to us for the April event. So very cool stuff there. I've noticed 
Gort also has been doing due diligence, watching a ton of shorts. The uh, spreadsheet is filling up, and I've got some catching up to do there. Yeah, boy. Also, we have some photo references and some ideas out to our graphic designer, who is currently working madly on that. And uh, we should know something soon as far as uh, what the shape of the poster and T-shirt art might look like in the very near future as well. He's got a twisted, brilliant mind, I tell you. Also, uh, we've got a a little bit of uh, information on sponsors. Uh, Games and Gizmos is returning, of course, as a sponsor for the Film Fest. Uh, Paizo Games also is returning. So uh, there's two of the people that we can look to for some awesome prizes at the Film Festival that we will be giving away during the course of the evening. And then uh, back to Games and Gizmos on February 22nd for the Bone Battle Gaming Tournament which is uh, got a lot of cool stuff. Now, again, it's going to be five games played live. This is a free-to-play tournament, so you can call the store and sign up. The games that we're going to be playing this year, The Duke from Catalyst Games, which is a tile game where each tile has a certain move, so similar to chess, but with a different move set. So it's a very cool game. A Dungeon Roll, which is an awesome dice game where you basically have to roll dice and spells and fighters in order to defeat the denizens of a dungeon it's a very cool game very brisk fun to play and i've had a good time playing that with my son so i'm really looking forward to seeing that in a tournament setting additionally uh, steve jackson games it's looking like we're going to do zombie dice again which is always a lot of fun that's a great game are you going to do it with the expansion pack that is my hope we're going to have to see Uh, i'm not sure the situation on that that's what they're looking at though Santa Claus, cheerleader, the hunk, you need to incorporate those. Now, did you pick that up? Yeah, I picked that up. Nice. I picked that up like an infection, oh, yo. I did not know that. Cool. Yeah, yes. I picked it up at PAX, so that, that's awesome that you got it as well. But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. There was some discussion on, I'm not sure if they're making those expansions anymore, so he wasn't oh. sure if he could get them for the tournament. So if that's the case, we may go back to regular zombie dice or do something else. I'm not 100% sure, but that is certainly in the mix. Uh, finally, Paizo is putting up the Pathfinder Adventure card game, which I'm super excited to play. Uh, I've enjoyed Pathfinder in the past. You remember, that was one of the highlights of the last tournament. And yes. so to have this new game, yeah, there's a demo version of it that can be played in 30 minutes and you, where you play like through a mission with characters. And it sounds really cool, all card-based. Looking forward to that. And finally, Titan Tactics, based here in Redmond is putting up a game as well. So we're going to have a bunch of local designers that are involved in the tournament this time. It's really exciting, really fun, and I think it's going to be a good time. So, again, call Games and Gizmos and register for the tournament. It's free to play, and for your trouble, uh, come on down. You'll play five games against a whole bunch of people. At the end of the day, we're going to give away a bunch of the play copies as prizes, and the grand prize of the tournament, the person who wins the whole thing, is going to get a set of tickets to the Bone Bath Film Fest. And this is free to play? Free to play, dude. Free to play. So you can actually go to the Film Fest for free if you are game. Oh, I see what you did there. You see what I did there? I see what you did there. All right, dude. Well, how about another tune? Okay. You want to listen to a tune? I want to listen to a tune. Let's have a tune. Do the tune thing. This one is from 1994, the major label debut of Mustard Plug on Moon Records. This song is Skank by Numbers. One, get off your seat. Two, stop. 
Stomp your boots to the beat. Three. Throw your knees in the air. Four. Like you don't care. and shit with Stephen Beefy. How's it going, man? It is going fantastic, Steve. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Now, we've talked already about the Sonics, what we're thinking if there's ever going to be another basketball team. We've talked about the Mariners. Robinson Cano is going to be good for next year, but right now it's time to spend some time on the Seahawks. I think all time, really, if you really want to break it down, should be spent on How the Seahawks. How about them Seahawks? Wasn't that a game on Saturday? Sa- yeah, Saturday. How dare they do that to me? It, it switch it up. my entire week. But what a game, man. You know, we got out there. The, the rain was pouring down. It was pretty miserable. And uh, there were a few moments. You know, a lo- any longtime Seahawks fan is going to get a little trepidatious when the score is close. We oh, want yeah. every game to be a blowout because we've seen too much disaster. But we've, we've been Seahawks far too many times before in the past. They pulled it off, man. The big win to go to the NFC Championship. Oh, man. 
I don't remember. I was a, I was a kid last time, 2005. I had just graduated. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. a young man. My whole world ahead of me. Last time this happened. I know. And now, just to be on the cusp. And we've earned the right to play the 49ers here at home. And really, like they've earned the right to play with us. Right. But really, I mean, you know, they went to the Super Bowl last year. It, it kind of poetically, it's only right that we should play them for the right to go to the Super Bowl. We it should whip kinda, their ass here. And if we can't, we don't deserve to go. Absolutely. It does feel like they have like the NFC championship belt that we have to, you know, yeah. them for. Yeah. You kind of have to unthrone the, you know, reigning guy, right? Exactly, and yeah. I, I do. It is kind of cool that the final four are kind of like an intimidating, four intimidating teams, not just like some streaky team that kind of got in at the end. Right, it's like four really strong teams, and whoever wins is it's going to be a pretty dope Super Bowl. So, yeah, statistically, I, I think they were four of the top five teams in the league. The only other one that snuck in there was Philadelphia, based upon the stats for the year. But I mean, you know, things are looking good, and certainly Seattle at home has a very good chance to win this. Yeah, 49ers are that team that, I mean, out of the league, they're still the one I have the most trepidation about because they did beat us. I mean, not at home, obviously. Mm-hmm. We beat them at home. Right. But, I mean, it's always, always, always a close game. It's always super chippy. There's always a lot of flags, and there's always a lot of it-could-go-either-ways kind of thing. Kaepernick, I hate to admit it, but he's got, you know, he's very fleet. So it's just, it, it causes me concern. But then, you know, I think about our defense, and I think about our struggling but awesome offense and it, it gives me hope that we've done good all year and we beat them at home before yeah it's true well let's let's talk a little bit about saturday so against new orleans a couple of the big plays now percy harvin of course was exciting to watch i mean he wasn't there very long he ended up leaving with a concussion at about halftime but the amazing catch that he made where he like climbed the ladder between two defenders oh yeah that was just incredible. He got right to the peak. Like, I, had, I don't know. How, like, and he out. He he saw it before the defender and everything, and he was able to just jump like a thousand feet in the air. It was like a basketball rebound. It was just yeah. amazing. And I love how it was just like Russell Wilson already knows. Just I can just throw it up there. I, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, he's got that much trust in him. Exactly, and I feel like had he played any more than what he did, just what little he did, not only would he have been able to make, I think there was another catch, that the catch that he got popped in, we talk about New Orleans uh, kind of playing a little rough, like targeting Percy a little bit, I think, but taking that big shot, like I feel like he could have caught that ball, and the, the, the second hit he took in the end zone, he was just like fingertip away from catching a yeah. touchdown in there. Yeah, it's almost every catch he seems to do, it almost looks like highlight reel, you know what I mean? Exactly, and, and they ran like a reverse with him where he they handed it off to him, and he looked nine, great doing that yeah, too. Yeah, nine yards. Yeah, just out of nowhere, just after not playing since like week eight or something like that and being injured all year. Yeah, that was a, a blow to see him disappear before the half was over. But yeah. fortunately, Marshawn Lynch was able to pick up the slack, man. Beast mode. What did you think of that, the fourth quarter touchdown? Was that beast mode too? Yeah, uh, beast quake, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he goes running down and gives that guy a, just a stiff arm. That stutter. Oh. That, like that quick stutter before, like he has yeah. like the quick hesitation, then boom, like with his acceleration <laughs> all over again and just punches the dude in the face. Yeah, there's just some of these runs where it's just like, that guy's not going to be denied. He's going to go in the end zone and nobody can yeah. stop it. I, I think Russell Wilson is a great, you know, front face of the organization, but Marshawn Lynch is my favorite. He's so powerful and he just he just works hard. He just keeps going. He doesn't care. He just punch and he doesn't 
He's not usually the one that's getting in the fights. He usually just goes to the sideline, keeps his mouth shut, doesn't talk trash in the media, doesn't talk to the media. Yeah. He's just always, 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 always working hard, and he's the reason we win these games half the time. <laughs> well, another reason, of course, the defense played an amazing game. I mean, basically, until the fourth quarter, New Orleans could do nothing on offense. They were just shut down. And some of the big the players and the big plays that I saw, Bobby Wagner, when he busted up that screen pass. In the backfield. Oh, my God. I mean, it was like kind of down where New Orleans is about to get a drive going and about to move things. And he busts right through the middle of the screen and tackles the guy for like a four-yard loss. And that was such a big momentum shift in the stadium because it got the crowd fired up. It got New Orleans off the field. It was just, that was such a big play at that moment. All the analysts I was listening to throughout the week were talking about how important their screen was and their bubble screen and everything like that and how they run so many things off of it. They, like, Seahawks broke up, like, three really, really early on in the game, and it just seemed to, like, oh, we don't know what to do. <laughs> well, Jimmy Graham is getting covered like a like a Seahawks, like it's the Seahawks we're playing. So, um, oh, shit. They had less than, what, 50 passing yards in the first half? Yeah, yeah, it was low. And Jimmy Graham got shut the fuck down. It wasn't, I don't think. The Saints. Yeah, it wasn't until, he's their number one receiving target, and I don't think he got a catch until the fourth quarter. I think he was targeted, like, once up leading to the fourth quarter. And we get me wrong, I love Jimmy Graham all season. He was on my fantasy team. He put up huge numbers for me. He was in the the Hall of Fame for Beefy right there, until <laughs> this week when it starts out with, I mean, I've read the reports now where it says that, you know, he was talking shit, he was on our, the Seahawks side of the field, and, you know, him and Bruce Irvin get into it, and his response is, I'm Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, well, there's something, I don't know, what? there's kind of like mixed stories. I read something about that uh, one of the Seahawks kicked his ball, and so then he tried to steal Bruce Irvin's hat. Right, <laughs> it was like some goofy story. But did you watch the the post game? Did you hear Michael Bennett's quote about it? I did, oh that he's I, I I only read that. I, what did he say? He no, here here it is. I got it for you, man. You can listen to the audio. Check this out. Jimmy Graham was held almost without anything today. I mean, he was a non-factor in the football game. Why was that? Because he's overrated, and he doesn't. If he doesn't get a chance to get the ball, he's, he doesn't. That's all he can really do. He doesn't help in the blocking game, you know. So he, I think he's overrated, and I'm not scared to say that on TV either. <laughs> oh. Isn't that the shit? <laughs> it is cool because, like, you can't say the target shit. That just, that just. I mean, prove him wrong. Show me, show me footage where he was doing anything. Where he was effective in the running game. Right, yeah. I mean, that was just the greatest quote, I thought. Oh. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to say that on TV either. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy because any normally if we had someone like, you know, our defense with, you know, Richard Sherman and, you know, being the, as vocal as he is, normally I would hate any other team and any even on our team because they normally don't back it up at all. But they he's done it so consistent and they're so regularly badass that – you have to be like, yeah, I mean, this guy clearly knows. He's clearly an expert in the field because he's tearing shit up. Bennett's been amazing. Sherman's been amazing. Even Cliff Averill. I mean, you know, a lot of the defensive line guys, they don't play every play. Oh, well, they but they switch it up, too. They, they switch have their it up, but their they're lights. still, yeah, they're constantly contributing. And they're getting up in the air. That, that pass that was a Bennett that knocked down, just like they're yeah. going for that third down. And he just knocks it down in his face. Yeah, that was that was awesome. So, Jumping yeah. almost as high as Harvin. I mean, come on. So that that's one of the things that, that makes me feel more confident about this weekend is just the fact that the defense has been playing lights out. Even if the offense, you feel like there's a lot of room for improvement there. Yeah. 
that the defense is impeccable. And I, I think that the, the one issue is the offense staying on the field longer to give them more rest for late in the game. Yeah, I feel like the offensive line has had issues all year. They've been injured all the time. And the injuries that receiver hasn't helped them because, I mean, Doug Baldwin and Golden Tate aren't your typical, you know, one-two receivers. And, you know, Russell Wilson is, is still, I mean, as amazing as he is, he's still a second-year quarterback playing in the NFC Championship. Right. So there's there's definitely room for improvement. And the fact that our defense has been able to step up the way it has, it's, you know, reminiscent of those teams like the Ravens and stuff like that who get in because they have such an amazing, amazing defense. <laughs> right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, the San Francisco game coming up. But first, right now, I've got an interview with, a guy who is responsible for one of the craziest traditions in section 326 at CenturyLink Field. Check this out. All right, Steve here at the Seahawks game. Enjoy the Amazing tradition here in Section 326. Once upon a time, if you're ever here during the third quarter, you're standing in the section, you'll hear this low rumbling. Shave that back. Shave that back. And it builds. You stand up and take your shirt off. It's amazing. How did this tradition get started? It all started back about uh, 05, or actually 04, uh, before the Super Bowl season. Uh, my buddy uh, Brian over here decided that he would take his shirt off. It was a nice September game. He decided to get everybody getting me to take my shirt off. They all were chanting, take it off, take it off. All of a sudden, as soon as I took my shirt off, without any pause, it turned to shave that back, shave that back. Ever since then, regardless of the weather, how the score, whatever's going on between the third and fourth quarter, everybody stands up and yells, shave that back, and I got to do what I got to do to support the team. She got a, one of her good friends from high school, Facebook. There's this crazy guy, and she took a picture and put it on Facebook of this guy taking his shirt off, and she said, that's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> now, they've kind of changed the music. They used to do a TV timeout after the I know. Down. So it used to give you a little dancing opportunity. How, how has that affected your swerve, man? Yeah, I'm a little disappointed. In fact, I put that on the, my uh, season ticket disclosure thing, and I was pissed <laughs> that we, had, we don't have a good, we need to holler back. on the Bone Dad Show. Sure. Jim, what pisses you off? Um, Fairweather fans. They piss me off more than anything else in the world. Oh. Fairweather fans. They oh, piss yeah, the me guys off. who, like, leave at the start of the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah, and, and guys in bandwagon jumpers that are just here for the first year. We've been here for the thick and thin. We love the Hawks. Go Hawks. All right. Thanks a lot, man, for joining us on the show. All right, man. Once again, shave that back, Tim, from CenturyLink Field. 
Wow, that was amazing, dude. I feel like you you can tell from the audio that his he just sounds hairy. <laughs> he, he does. sounds like a hairy man. You know, there was something I forgot to ask him, too. Now, when he takes his shirt off, of course, he, he leaves it off for the remainder of the game. Oh, and I meant to ask him, has there been a game yet where you're sitting there in the fourth quarter and you just thought to yourself, man, maybe this whole thing was a bad idea? And I forgot to ask him. So, Tim, if you're listening... Send us an email to steve at bonehand.com and let us know, was there a game that stands out memorably as, God damn, this is cold? Because I always wonder, you're sitting there like a He-Man, and I'm wearing like seven layers. Yeah. It's, it's impressive, that's all I'm saying. I want to ask the same thing of the Seahawk guy, because, I mean, that's just paint. Paint can't be that warm. Right. No kidding. I mean, at yeah. least, what's the hairy guy's name? Tim. Tim, at least that guy has got, like, a layer of fur there to protect him. Yeah, yeah. It kind of, like, got the, the Sasquatch thing going on. Plus, by the fourth quarter, you're revved up. Seahawks are either winning or in it, at least yeah. all season long. I will say Open that. Up, when the Hawks are winning, you don't tend to notice the weather so much. Now, I heard a rumor, because I haven't. I mean, my biggest shame and uh, lack of pride is that I've never been a member of the 12th man. I've never been to a Seahawks game. So I heard a rumor that the commercial where they have the guy come in and everyone's, you know, he has Gary or whatever, his name everywhere. It's all Seahawks, but it's all them. <laughs> they said that, that the commercial isn't realistic because the people in the stadium and the stands are actually sitting. Is it true that you just you get up and rowdy all four quarters? No, I wouldn't say that like during regular season. No, but this last game during the playoffs, we were standing up 80 percent of the game. Really? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's on their feet. And what's cool about Seahawks game is it's a pretty informed crowd. Like, people will sit down for first and second down. Or, like, when we're on offense, usually, that's when people will sit. And right. they'll jump up during a big play. But during D, you know, you're standing or you're definitely standing on third down. Like, yeah. everybody is up making noise. And that that's what's kind of cool about it. And people are watching the game. You know, they're, they're synced into it. So if they see, like... All of a sudden, the quarterback or the opposing team starts gesturing like they're changing up the play. You can actually hear it get louder. Oh, man. It, it's, it's like the, the fans are putting their foot down, and it's really cool kind of experience. 12th Man doesn't seem to be there for the social experience of it. I mean, that's part of it, I assume, but it, it sounds like they're there to make a difference in the game. It, it is. It's a little of both. Like, you know how football is. I mean, one of the most annoying things about seeing a live football game that you don't realize is the TV timeouts. Really? At a live game, a TV timeout is a total pain in the ass. Because this guy with orange sleeves comes out on the field, and everything stops, and the players are just milling around and doing whatever, and that's when you get the chance to socialize. Ah. Oh. It's behind the scenes stuff, I but it but it does definitely play. like slow down the momentum of the game when you're watching the game and you're just getting into it. And, oh, timeout! Oh, fuck! Two minutes, really? <laughs> so so there's that. But yeah, it's it's definitely a thing. We got to get you to a game, man. We should we should try to make that happen. Yeah, I, I, I think that. that's definitely doable because uh, it, it's an incredible experience and to be there. I mean, there isn't a stadium I've ever been in that is as nice. We sit in the upper bowl, but, I mean, it's kind of like PlayStation. You can see everything just opening up in front of you. It looks, I mean, every photo and every, even cell phone picture of people's, every position looks like it's a good seat, and it looks like you can see everything. You got big old Jumbotron situation going on. It seems like if I could have, like, a radio and I could hear Steve Rabel at the same time, <laughs> I'd be set. It's funny, though, because that, that sort of takes you out of it, though. Like, when you have your radio on, 
Because I've done that before. I've taken the radio, and I find myself, you know, like not as into the game because I'm focusing on that. Oh. And you lose the electricness. Like my, my uh, seatmate, Liam, and I, we actually got uh, upgrade tickets to a luxury box one time last season oh. against the Redskins. And we went in there, and it was weird because we're used to, you know, getting into it and jumping up and yelling and screaming and having a great time. And in that situation, it's like you're in a luxury box, and it's very kind of genteel. And you did. You felt like you, you didn't want to yell too loud, and it was almost like you were taken out of the game. Someone's having a business call down the hall, like you don't want to interrupt it or something no, like that? I, I don't know. It's just because there's all right? these people sitting there that you don't know, and you don't feel like you can really go apeshit. And I mean, in our section, the majority of the people are season ticket holders. They've been there for years. We know these people. And it's like, it's funny. I showed up at a game because it was raining, and I wore contacts instead of glasses. And Hey, where's your glasses, man? <laughs> you know, well, who at, my, my wife might ask that, but who else would ask that? But you go to Seahawks game and people that you've been sitting by for years will ask that. And so there definitely is that social aspect, I guess, back to that. But uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, like your haircut. That looks nice. Yeah, you've lost a few pounds this last season. <laughs> yeah, right? What up? Yeah, you know, that you will have those kind of conversations. You've gained a few, but that'll just make you louder. It'll be good. There's a guy in our row. Uh, he Every game, he's got a, like a long billy goat beard, and he spray paints it blue. Oh, yeah. He's got a doormat for every opponent in the league, and he brings it <laughs> and has it laying on the ground, and when you walk by, you wipe your feet on the team <laughs> you're playing. Oh, man. I watch tradition. This is this – is- yeah, I mean, and there's there's this, these uh, four people down uh, a couple of rows in front of us. After every single first down, they do they stand up and do the cabbage patch, and they've done it <laughs> for like nine years. I mean, the, all this stuff is going on around you, and it's it's just pretty cool experience. It's all part of the experience. That sounds awesome. It is, yeah. How do you prepare? Like, do you bring lozenges? Do they provide them? <laughs> Will they provide them this weekend? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I probably should be uh, a little more concerned about my health because I like I don't bring earplugs either. Oh, yeah. Well, that's ne- that's unnecessary. Yeah, I don't, t- I I don't mean, take them to shows. And it's you know? freaking loud. And a lot of times when I go to a, especially if I go to a metal show, I'll, I'll make sure I've got earplugs. But, yeah, in Seahawks games, I, I never take earplugs. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was like. I just want people to be like, if it's exciting, I want them to be loud the first quarter as they are in the fourth quarter. And yeah. I feel like the Seahawks should provide them some halls. Yeah, no. Nah, I just make well, sure I, like I, have, that, I right? think beer. Beer makes a good throat lubricant. Is, is beer a good lozenge? I, I think so. I, I think that's what a lot of people use. I just want the 206 to get home safe. That's all. <laughs> well, and why wouldn't you? Well, they stopped serving at the start of the fourth quarter, so there you go. Ingenious. Ingenious. But, you know, I, I'm just I'm super excited that we're this far. If, you know, if we don't make it, God forbid, you know, the fact that we made it even this far is outstanding. Yeah, and the fact that the Super Bowl goes through Seattle. That yeah. is awesome. Towards the end of the season, when they were when they were only like what they had to win two games and they did it on the last game, that that caused me some fear. But yeah, well, it's and again, exciting. we've seen so much heartbreak over the years. It's so uncomfortable to be the front runner. Well, we're just not used to it. I mean, I'm sure if you're a Patriots fan yeah. or even like a Dallas Cowboys fan, you've had enough big days. Steelers fans, fuck those. Guys. I guess 49ers fans. I suppose. Yeah, they had yeah. Some dark years. Too, yeah, any of those, any of those teams that have three, four, five. Lombardi trophies, they are much more confident in these situations. But we've had all this weird stuff, like the Jets thing where they invented instant replay because of the Seahawks getting hosed. 
Right. Oh. <laughs> you know, there's been like so many of these instances over the years of where the Seahawks have gotten jacked that it, it's it's kind of hard to take it as face value as we're gonna win. Or yeah, or we get too cocky with uh, we want the ball and we're gonna score. Right. Yeah. And then, which is still the most swagger thing I've ever seen a football player do. You know, in game. Well, no, no, no. We all blow up in his face. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty brutal. But we have had swagger moments since then. Like the last game against San Francisco when Marshawn Lynch stops at the goal line oh, and yeah. steps across because nobody's near him. That was that was awesome. That was really great. And it's just it's just it's his quiet confidence that he uh, that he does it with. Yeah. And then they and then make it rain skittles. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the game, man. So what do you what do you feel about Sunday? How do you think this is going to go down? I think it's going to be real close. I think they're going to like just beat the ever-loving crap out of each other, and we're going to need every single minute of the two weeks until the Super Bowl, but uh, to just to, to get healthy because we're yeah. going to go. It's going to be amazing. I, I'm I, I'm super super confident. You know, after the game, I saw how the 49ers did against Carolina, but Carolina's not that hot. I mean, they're just streaky too. You know what I yeah. mean? They got They have a good defense. You got to give they them that because they they played us. I mean, granted, it was the first game of the season. But they played us right down to the end, and it could have gone either way. But their defense is in our defense, and no. they won last time with a, a, a fluke play. How Thomas doesn't okay. doesn't let Gore get by him for a fifty yard run nine hundred times out of eight hundred? Yeah, that, and you good? know that that's one of those plays. That and did you notice against Carolina that same play where Kaepernick runs around the left hand side? And breaks contain and gets a first down, or in this case, he got that last touchdown. Yeah, that was like the same play that they beat us with after exactly. Gore busted loose. And if we had gotten the ball with two minutes left, and then he gets that first down, and they're able to basically eat up the rest of the clock. And if we can shut down that play, and God, you got to think that the Seahawks will be known to watch for that sort of thing by now. Yeah, exactly. I bet they've watched nothing else. Yeah. That, that there, there are those key plays that if they can just stop a play or two, we're going to win this game. And I, I feel like the Seahawks have more upside. Like there's more oh, yeah. of a chance the Seahawks are going to bust this thing wide open than the 49ers are. If our offense can get like an early start, like a, a good start where we can kind of just, just hand the ball off to Marshawn and let our defense do their thing, we're going to be set. And maybe you get, you know, you pepper that, <laughs> you, you do a drive or two where you score. And then you get a couple of defensive either turnovers or a score that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's potential to put up a bunch of numbers. And you almost feel like right now San Francisco on offense, they're playing lights out and the Seahawks aren't. And if they play up to their potential, this isn't even going to be a game. And we're so familiar with them. I mean, they're familiar with us, but that familiarity, I think, is going to you know, help us considerably since we've, I mean, we know how they play. We know how they play at home. We know how their our sound affects them. And it's the NFC Championship. I can't imagine you guys are going to be anything less than, you know, record-setting loud. Yeah. Oh, I think it's going to be a noisy, noisy afternoon. They're going to be really happy that they put that seismograph reader at at CenturyLink. (laughs) You can see one from our seats. There's actually (laughs) one, like, sitting right there. We we noticed it this last game is uh, this white kind of appliance that has been bolted to the front of the section. Excellent. <laughs> so I'm really, I'm really confident in our in our chances. I mean, like I said, it's it's the 49ers. They could go either way, but you know, I, I didn't think the Cardinals would beat us at home. But it's playoff football. These guys are jacked up for it. 
they have things to prove and they want to back up everything that they've done thus far. They want to show that they've been worthy of to be the odds on favorite to go to the Super Bowl. I just, I've never been in this position and had the team have this much confidence. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and if you had, it wouldn't have been warranted with previous teams. But this time, yeah. you feel like, you know, they've earned it. They've played that well all season. They've got the, the rankings and the statistics to back it up. They're that good. And it's just a matter of living up to that potential, and we're going to have another Super Bowl team. Oh, man. I'm so excited. I like to think about what our current team would do with 2005's offensive line. Because if Sean Alexander can get a billion thousand yards and be considered for MVP and everything. Or did he win MVP that year? I can't he, remember. He did, yeah, that year. Yeah. I Marshawn behind Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson would have just been... Oh, man. Amazing. I, I cringe for the opponents just thinking about I it. I wonder if you can set that up on Madden. That would be outstanding. Because like <laughs> they do like the all-time They do, all right? Time teams, right? So like the all-Seahawks team would have Marshawn. They probably have Alexander, though, probably. The well, way they, they you could probably switch reason. players out on the fly. I right? guess I would. I guess a heartbeat. I mean, I love Hasselbeck. I, wish, I hope they bring him. I wish they would bring him back to, to raise the flag for this game now that the Colts are out of it. But yeah. uh, I absolutely love Hasselbeck. But I'd put Russell Wilson in there. I'd put Sherwood in there. Yeah. I'd put Largent in there, obviously. What about Holmgren? Do you think he should raise the 12th man flag this game? <sighs> man, you think he... I, I, uh, He's in town now. Know. He's on sports radio like every week. He doesn't work for, what is it, the Browns now? No, nah, he's, he's with KJR oh. Radio. Well, then he should ask. I mean, you have a street named after you. Just drive down your own street and <laughs> and raise the flag. Hell yeah, you do that. Yeah. Uh, so that would, that would be cool. I, I liked Jim Zorn raising it last week. I thought that was totally classy. I thought that was super dope, too, and I think they should keep doing, like, the, the former players doing this or just have, like, all of the offensive line from 2005 come and do it or something. That'd be pretty cool. Although, get, they, they get talked about that. I guess there's back. still bad blood with Hutchinson. Really? Yeah, even that to sucks. this day. That's, that's what I heard. So, Well, then bring Cortez Kennedy back. Have him do it. Oh, yeah, he could always do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, thanks for joining us to talk some Seahawks. This has been a blast. Oh, man, that's... I'm so glad we did this. We should do this again and again. Absolutely. And uh, it was great to see you last week, man, at the Nerdcore show here in town with Schaefer the Dark Lord. Schaefer the Dark Lord and Adam Warrock. And my, at the first time I met and saw Tribe 1 perform, that was awesome. That Marvel A to Z song he has oh. is insane. That was so I, uh, cool. Oh, man. He said he was going to talk about the Marvel Universe, and I expected it to be that. And uh, I told Chandra, I was like, my, my fiance I tapped her on the shoulder a bunch of times, like, listen, like, really pay attention. It's going to be super awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was the coolest thing ever. And then Death Star. Don't forget Death Star. Of course. Uh, Death Star. Whatever. Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> no, Death Star awesome. I love it, though, how, how, like, apologetic they are, like, before they're said about, like, you see, we got people like Tribe One talking about make your life better and, and do something with your life. And we're going to come up there talking about having sex with your mom. <laughs> right. It's just not the same. <laughs> but, you know, it's cool, though, seeing do Kyle from Kirby Crackle do Broken yeah. Robots with them. That is just always an awesome tune. And he just adds so much to it. Oh, yeah, him there live really, really pumps that up. I mean, and he's just a great performer anyway, and he's this big sweetheart uh, on top of everything else that he would just come down and, you know, do one song and chill out for the rest of the show. He is a great guy. Actually, we could talk about that a little bit. Dude, the Bone Bat Film Festival, April 26th, featuring Beefy and an acoustic set from Kyle of Kirby Crackle. That is going to be so cool. I feel like 
thank you and Kyle so much. I feel like we got like just the musical dream ticket for this film fest. I'm so excited about that. Oh man, Kirby Crackle are doing incredible, great things. I obviously am amazing. So I think it's <laughs> gonna be like an outstanding show. I'm. You can stop thinking me. I'm just happy you, you uh, wanted me there because uh, I'm gonna be there with bells on, and uh, you know have a really great fun fun song and set. Yeah, it's, I, and I got to thank the Kickstarter backers who made this whole thing happen to be able to bring you guys in. That is awesome and totally. Thank you, Kickstarter guys. Absolutely. And so, speaking of which. What's going on with the new beefy horror tune? Oh, new beefy horror tune is uh, is going to use a really fun beat, a cool sample that will immediately uh, make you feel horror, and uh, <laughs> it's gonna be how I react to horror and my take on horror films and horror in general and things that I find frightening. And uh, we're I, I've, it's all written. I have to, uh, you know, do the little recording thing. It doesn't happen as often as I like, but I hope to have it all finished up by Saturday and then hopefully give it to the masses, you know, by Monday, I'm hoping. Oh, awesome. Well, I cannot my, wait to hear hope. it, man. Many, many of my hopes have been dashed in the past. I also wanted to have an <laughs> album out last year. So, I mean, there's give and take. <laughs> right. But we'll one we'll song see what happens. Name. We won't hold you to it just yet. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But it is coming. I, I made promise. Well, if the Seahawks win this week, we may have to have you back before the Super Bowl. Maybe we can premiere it right here on the show. Ooh, maybe. Maybe. Because I will definitely, I demand to be back if, if we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's my demand. Done and done. Even if it's for 15 minutes to be like, go Hawks. <laughs> That'll be awesome. I bought a Seahawks foam head just to prepare Did you? for you got one of those, huh? Oh yeah. I couldn't help myself. We were in Seattle for the show, you know, we went to the went to one of the pro shops they have around there. I was like, I, I Shandra bought it for me. I was like, I can't buy this for myself. And she she ended up getting it for me because she's a great fiance. <laughs> That's <laughs> and fantastic. then immediately the six year old stole it and started wearing it more. Well yeah, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a giant hawk's head on her head. It's amazing. All right, man. Well uh, why don't we listen to another tune from Mustard Plug? That sounds like the best thing you've said all day. Alrighty, this is also from 1997's Evil Doers Beware. This is the beer song. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.
And we're back once again. That tune was Beer Song from Evildoers Beware. Great tune from Mustard Plug. Thanks again to Mustard Plug and Rick, of course, for joining us on the show. You can find their stuff at mustardplug.com. Do so, please. They're great. They are great. Steve, I got to call you on something, though. Okay. Every time we do a show and I have the slightest thing wrong with me, I get at least 10 minutes of showtime complaining about it. You're doing the show with a cold. You haven't milked it for anything. Because I don't talk about myself, man. <laughs> I'm disappointed in you. Despite 90 minutes of podcasts. <laughs> you sound like you've been deep-throating a toilet brush. Yeah. And <laughs> Thank you. Deep-throating a toilet brush. Man, I you're in rare form tonight. I, I guess so. You haven't said nary a thing that hasn't turned my stomach. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, that's my goal. That's a win-win right there. Yeah. How about a little multimedia triage? I can do that. Can I you? can triage the multimedia. Because you've been, it looks like just looking at this list, you've been doing a lot of multimedia. Yeah, well, I've been watching things, I've been reading things, and, uh, and now I'm going to talk about things. First up, Coronado High. It is a piece of journalism. It's... Um, Somewhere longer than a, a short story, shorter than a novel, but it's by Joshua Behrman, and he's the guy that wrote Argo. And he okay. wrote this really, really cool, well-researched article about the birth of the uh, serious marijuana trade coming out of San Diego. And what's so cool about it, about his story, is a lot of the characters in there and a lot of the way it it moves from swimming bags of pot from the Mexican side of the beach to the American side of the beach, all the way up to commandeering Navy helicopter to lift bales of dope off the boat and fly them into the U.S. This this tiny little group of hippies that wanted to not have to pay for their dope and started smuggling it, becoming international drug cartel it follows roughly that sounds like the storyline of savages exactly yeah. don winslow savages that's what i was just thinking yeah and the cool thing is savages came out first well do you think that winslow had some inside information about that story or was aware of it as a local in san diego he and that must was where have been he aware got of it as a local seed idea diego. yeah the seed idea for savages he must have really known the lore or known some people or, or I don't know if he lived on Coronado or, or what, but it was uh, fun to read this piece of nonfiction that dovetailed very closely with the piece of fiction that I like. It's not usually in that order. So look for this. You can read this yourself if you got $2 to spend on Amazon to have it sent to your Kindle. Or you can go to the website uh, that he wrote this for, The Atavist. Okay. which is atavist.com. And I think they charge for their content there as well. I don't know if it's also two bucks on the site or, or not, but they're an interesting site. They do long, good reads that you can't get anywhere else, and they charge uh, a pittance for their content, and you can read some good stuff there. Or you can have it sent right to your Kindle. Okay, I'll put a link to it on the site. Yeah, check that out. It was, it was a very cool read. And then uh, speaking of things that mirror real life, or the other way around, I saw The Lookout, 
with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, finally. Did you ever watch that? No, I have not seen that. All right, this is a movie. It's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it, which is one of these actors that I keep wanting to hate, but he keeps really being great in yeah, everything I see him in. He's pretty good. He was he was great in 50-50. Anyway, it's also got Jeff Daniels in it, Matthew Good, Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher? How do you say her name? I don't even know. Mary Kay. Anyway, he, he plays the part of this guy with a brain injury. And so he's going through life, kind of having a tough time with that. He, he falls asleep way too much. He, uh, he has emotional outbursts for no reason that he can't quite control. He has trouble kind of figuring these simple things out that should be easy, that used to be part of his everyday life. And uh, he's got to keep writing things down in a notebook because he just can't remember anything. And he gets sucked into this scheme to rob a bank, and he's going to be the lookout. Perfect guy, because, you know, he can't remember anything. And I don't know if the movie is good for people who haven't had a brain injury, but for me... (laughs) (laughs) It was extra poignant. It was very, very poignant. There's a scene where he's trying to figure out where the can opener is, what the can opener is, and it just about wrenched my heart out of my chest. Just like, ah, that freaking feeling of... I should know this, but you just don't know it anymore. So check that out. The Lookout. It's not streaming on Netflix, though, so maybe that's going to be a bit too much for you. (laughs) You know what is streaming on Netflix, though? Four Lions. Heard about this? Is that a movie with a whole bunch of old people in it? I'm not going to watch that shit. No, absolutely not. It's a movie about... It's a comedy out of uh, England about four wannabe uh, Muslim terrorists in England. And it is so incredibly not funny. If there was a way to give it less than zero stars, I would. Don't watch this at all. Four Lions is getting really good reviews. It was flipping terrible. I did not laugh once. I watched it for about 45 minutes and turned it off and just proceeded to beat myself in the face with a ball-peen hammer, and I enjoyed that more. <laughs> okay. But what is streaming on Netflix, which I did enjoy, which is just a fun, guilty pleasure a la Road Warrior, is Bounty Killers. It stars absolutely nobody I've ever killers? heard Killers? Is that Killers with a Z? No, I think it's not. I think it, that might actually be Bounty Killer. Okay. Not plural, although it should be Killers. The only guy in the movie that you'll recognize is Gary Busey, who plays a bit role as a, a bad guy. But it's, it's after the inevitable uh, nuclear apocalypse... And corporations are running the show, squeezing the life out of what's left of the world. And there are bounty killers out there who get paid a bounty by the rising virtuous underground to go and kill these corporate overlords. It's a bunch of driving around in the desert, shooting, blowing stuff up, bleeding, jumping motorcycles, bad lines, and it's streaming on Netflix. It's fun. You should check it out. Okay. And then I I went and I saw a movie in the theater. I went out of my house. You didn't. I did. I I left my home. Did you manage to avoid crapping the theater? (laughs) I I can't really confirm or deny that. (laughs) It might have been jujubes. (laughs) It might have been milk duds. It might have been a milk dud on the seat. (laughs) We don't know. But I saw American Hustle. Oh, yeah, how was that? It was starring uh, Amy Adams' chest. Yes. Yeah. It was a really fun movie. 
I yeah. gave it five stars. It I looked think, like it was I think the fun. hype is worth it. I laughed. I, it was engaging. It wasn't it was, too long for you? Was it? No. <laughs> Remarkably enough. I know you don't like any movies that are over, over like 72 minutes. Yeah, 70, 71 is really about my limit. <laughs> but uh, damn, man. Go see American Hustle. It's a fun movie. What's it's, it about? It's well acted what is and the what's, plot, essentially? The plot is the abscam plot. It's oh. a scam movie where they they start out scamming people and then they they ended up getting uh, arrested and then the the cops are going to use them to scam some other people and then those people get them involved with scamming some politicians and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger way way out of control. But what takes this movie from being a really good movie to just a, a great movie is the attention to detail in the soundtrack. One of my many, many pet peeves is when I'm watching a movie and I know the perfect song that they, they're going to have in the scene and they don't do it. Or they do a song that just sounds right as long as you're not listening to the lyrics in the scene. You know, ah, this is a happy song. Is it a happy scene? No, it's a song about heroin addiction. What the hell? <laughs> they nailed it. They really did. They nailed it with the soundtrack. They nailed it with the acting. The story was fun. Check it out. Go see it. Cool. Yeah, I want to. I'm, I'm looking forward to that film. I realize we support independent movies and we try to talk about weird stuff you might not find on your own. And this is a big deal, but still, it's worthwhile. Cool. And uh, video games. You know, I've been actually, I know this is a shock, I've been playing some video games. Right now on Xbox, I don't know if when this podcast comes out, it's going to be this way, but right now on Xbox, they're having a sale on Far Cry 3. And you can get Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon for five bucks. <laughs> and you can get Far Cry 3, the main game, for I think like 15 bucks. Okay. Uh, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon is a hoot. It is an absolute fun, funny, I don't want to say homage, but maybe it is an homage to 80s video games and 80s movie plots where it's just bad acting, it's ridiculous plot, it's the graphics, the sound effects, the whole thing is, is absolutely horribly wonderful and uh and far cry 3 the main game i can't really speak to yet because i've only played it for a couple hours it, it seems pretty cool but i'm still trying to figure out how to craft things and kill people <laughs> with knives now i also downloaded blood dragon and i haven't had a chance to play it yet but here is the freaking amazing cool thing about it what? the person who was brought in to help design the game is none other than Jason Eisner, the director of Bonebat Film Fest 1's smash hit Treevenge. Treevenge! This is the guy who did Treevenge. This is the guy who directed Hobo with a Shotgun. Uh Jason Eisner is the shit. And to bring his filmmaking sensibility to a video game add-on is freaking sweet beyond belief. And it has this garish 80s neon vibe to it and as i understand it uh there are characters from hobo with a shotgun that actually make an in-game appearance in blood dragon so how cool is that this awesome movie, this shit. game has so many knowing winks and nods to other things it's great and for only five bucks it's I five mean, bucks you it's can a standalone. do you don't have to buy far cry 3 to buy and play Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. It's a standalone. Yeah, it's, you, you can seriously do no wrong with this purchase. So please, take advantage of this. Word up. And finally... Well, you're not done? 
good what? lord. What? No, I'm not done. There's more. We got books. We got movies. What else do we got? Music. That's right. Oh, uh, okay. There is a band that is called Two Steps from Hell. And I don't know how to describe this band beyond orchestral, choral, video game music. They make big, triumphant-sounding music that sounds like it's from a movie you never saw or a video game you never played. And I stumbled into this band because I was trying to find orchestral music or choral music that had that big epic quality to it because that seems to be what Barbarian Child, one of my kids, is into. And nailed it. So check out Two Steps from Hell. It's, uh, if you like, if you want to hear a little something different, you want to hear exciting music, and or if you just like video game music, because that's what it sounds like to me. Check it out. Cool. I will look for that. That sounds All cool. All right. So I've said my piece, and I'm looking down at the show notes, and apparently you have done nothing but play with yourself. I have done very little, man. And, you know, as I'm thinking back, it's just like the holidays after the Film Fest stuff and kind of took a little time off and been watching a lot of football, obviously. So I haven't been doing a lot uh, multimedia-wise. Um, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I uh, got a game for Christmas uh, from Fantasy Flight Games, the board game Elder Sign, which is totally kick-ass. Uh, it's for up to one to eight players. Uh, the four members of my family played it. And you each play some sort of uh, investigator or detective that has some sort of uh, abilities against the occult arts. And you are working together to keep Cthulhu or any other Lovecraftian denizens from taking over the world overnight. And it's super fun because you're basically battling against the clock with cards and dice and trying to defeat, say, Cthulhu or whoever it is, because there's variation in the game. And it's just a lot of fun. We had a good time playing it. It took about 90 minutes. I think the game runs about 40 bucks. Really high-quality board. All the chits are really nice. Great art. And it was a lot of fun to play. So I would recommend Elder Sign from Fantasy Flight Games. The other thing that I just finished up, uh, comic book-wise, I've been kind of catching up on a few comics. I've been reading Saga from Brian K. Vaughn, who did uh, Why the Last Man. And it's this crazy sci-fi fantasy sort of a saga i guess up to the title that uh it's almost hard to explain it doesn't explain a lot itself it throws you right into the midst of this chase and battle and war and all this stuff is going on and it's absolutely crazy and very satisfying and fun to read so i'm digging on that also The series FF is just about to finish with issue 15. And what FF is, is uh, it tied in with the Marvel Now stuff of Fantastic Four. And basically, the Fantastic Four went on vacation in another dimension. And they left a surrogate Fantastic Four to watch the fort. And so it was She-Hulk, Ant-Man, Darla Deering, who is like Lady Thing, and Medusa from the Inhumans, who are watching over this school of super intelligent kids who are like all the children of these geniuses and supervillains and stuff like that. All right. And what brought me to the series is written by Matt Fraction, who's done a lot of work on Iron Man and stuff like that, was the art by Mike Allred, who we interviewed uh, at Comic-Con a while back about his series Madman and iZombie. 
you know, he's, he's written a lot of cool stuff. His, his art is great and very iconic. And I basically came to this wanting to see his versions of a ton of Marvel superheroes. And it's been a very fun read. It ends in this huge battle against Doctor Doom as this misfit Fantastic Four and these children are trying to keep Doctor Doom from destroying the universe. And there's a lot of great art in it from Mike Allred. The story's a lot of fun. It's a lot quirkier and stranger and more goofy than normal Marvel fare. And it's definitely worth a read. Like I said, the last issue is coming out next week. So it's probably going to be out in a graphic novel soon. And I would recommend picking that up, even if you check it out from the library, just to read this. Because it's definitely a different slice of comics. And it almost harkens back to... You know, simpler, goofier comics that we used to pick up off the racks for 25 cents when we were kids. You know, there's a seriousness now to a lot of current comics that that just wasn't there back in the old days. With You know, there was Howard the Duck and shit on the racks back then. <laughs> Howard the Duck and shit? Were they like a team? Yes, yes. No, you know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to say here is that comics have I become know. more you, serious. You're always a sucker for that weird funny, bizarre, Thor kind of stuff. Yes, I, I do like that. And so this has been a fun series. I would recommend checking it out. You know what we didn't talk about, which we're both completely into? What's that? Archer has premiered. I haven't seen it. I watched the first episode just before we started recording. And? They still got it. It was funny. And when you watch it, the last five minutes, maybe three and a half minutes, is this amazing montage of this in Archer's mind. He like has this thought and it's essentially an action movie. And I'm not sure if some of the scenes in his little brain are lifted straight out of other movies or if all of them are lifted straight out of other movies. (laughs) I watched it through twice. I'm like, oh, hey, there's that, there's that, there's that. You know, some of them were... I don't know if they were going for just cultural touchstones like Life of Pi and uh, Smokey and the Bandit, or if they act, or in Rambo Two, or if they they if every single scene was from a movie. I'm sure somewhere on YouTube, well maybe not on YouTube, maybe on Vimeo or Daily Motion, there's going to be like side by side that Archer <laughs> dream and then all the movies it's from like happening at the same time. It wow. was brilliant. It, oh, cool. I, I am really happy about the new season of Archer. Well, yeah, I've got it on the DVR, so that is uh, definitely something I'll be watching in the next day or two. Uh, also, Justified is back on. The first episode was very cool. David Koechner's on the series this year, and they went to uh, Florida for their first episode, so finally they're getting out of the... Uh, they're getting away from Elmore Leonard's roots? What are you trying yeah, to they're, say? They're from getting... Florida, douche. No, no, no. Uh, the, but it was taking place in Kentucky... That's right. Yeah. He starts out in Florida and he goes to back. Harlan or whatever. Harlan yeah, County. Harlan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't watch that series. You watch it. So yeah. So anyway, they get away from Harlan County and they go to Florida and already you know, crazy stuff ensues. Uh, Michael Rappaport's on the series who always does great crimi- criminals. So uh, <laughs> They should be called crimi- crimi- Oh, damn it. Don't make fun of it? me. Criminals. I'm tired. I'm sick. You're a dick. All of the above are true. <laughs> so anyway. He does a great job of criminal portrayals, so it's going to be fun to watch, I think, this season. And uh, I've been checking out that series, Almost Human, with Carl Urban, the guy who played Judge Dredd, and he was in Lord of the Rings, and he's been in a bunch of shit. And uh, that show's kind of fun. 
Is it? Yeah, it's about this cop, and he gets basically uh, some bad shit happened in policing, and so you are using the S word a lot tonight, Stephen. What do you care? Are you really going to give me a hard time about using the S-word too much when you started the entire show with an extended monologue about pooping your shower? <laughs> anyway, so the series is about, uh, at some point in the future, some bad things happen in the world of policing, and all policemen are required to go out with a android partner. And this one cop had a terrible experience where an android partner was involved in getting one of his human policeman friends killed and so he doesn't want to work with androids and so they saddle him with an earlier model which actually has like a human personality implant and the interplay in the series between the cop and this android is really kind of fun and the series like episode two you would love it there was like a sex robot episode oh i love that so, it was definitely a fun really series that. so far, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm keeping up with that. So, that's something to check out. At least give a, an episode or two a shot and see what sure. you think. All right. And that's really it for me. Well, that's it for me. All right. Well, Maybe let's, we should play another song. Let's play another song. Uh, one last tune before we close things out. This is from the brand new album, Can't Contain It by Mustard Plug. What does she know? ba ba da da ba da da Once again, that was What Does She Know by Mustard Plug. Thank you again to Mustard Plug for joining us. 
Thank you again to Rick from Mustard Plug for joining us on the show. Thanks to the band for allowing us to feature their music from their brand new album, Can't Contain It. Go buy it right now because it's right now. fucking rocks. Also, thanks to Beefy for joining us in the super secret segment that Gordon knows nothing about. And to Shave That Back Tim for joining us on the show. Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show via our phone number, 425-2966-557, or via email to steve at bonehand.com. You have new content on bonehand.com a lot of times on Sundays. It's also the home of the heavy half hour when I get around to that. And you can find my work at mightywombat.com. You can find it at Facebook at, check this out, mightywombat.com, all spelled out. (laughs) And you can find me on Twitter at mighty underscore wombat. And we have a Facebook page for the Bone Bat podcast on Facebook as well. We do indeed. Also, we have a Twitter feed, just Bone Bat on Twitter for all kinds of film festival news and interesting stuff about the show. Additionally, I am Bonehand over there if you want to hear my Twitterings on the rare occasion when I do so. Yeah, you can. Or you can just go to our Facebook page and... Honor Cormac McCarthy in the news. <laughs> yeah, we've been posting a bunch of weird stuff over there lately. That's kind of become a an interesting place to check out. And you should swing by it because Facebook only sends it to 30 of you a day. So right. <laughs> they really got that shit clamped down. It is kind of annoying. The fact yeah, that, I okay, I'm following a page. So clearly I went to the trouble of clicking like on it so that I could find out stuff from that page, and yet they don't put it on my newsfeed. No, yet I see ads for Kmart. Yeah, stuff that I don't care about at all. But They're like, they're like hostage takers, like in nice content you got here. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. You, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you got to pay protection money to get your content out. So yeah, swing by the Bone Bat Facebook page every once in a while and see what we've got there. Gordon, a lot of times, will post some art there. There was a sweet piece of art just the other day, I noticed. That's right. That's going to one of our supporters. Yay, Kickstarter Yay. supporters. We love them. They're I'm awesome. stuff for you. Woohoo! All right, thank you for listening, of course. And if you like what we do, please tell a friend. Our final song tonight. This one is from 1999's Pray for Mojo by Mustard Plug. Now, this song, if this doesn't send you just raring to go to tear apart your day, I don't know what will. We're going to take on the world. Thank you for listening. Again, this is Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
double tour till we reach the top of tour till the end of our years. We're gonna take on the world. Come on, every boy, every girl. We're gonna take on the world. Come on, every boy, every girl. We're gonna take on the world. Come on, every boy, every girl. We're gonna take on the world. Come on, every boy, every girl. We're gonna take on the world. Come on, every boy, every girl. We're gonna take on the world. Come on, every boy, every girl. Any more bottles? And scene. Dude, my voice is so hoarse. It's crazy. It's crazy low. Oh, oh heavenly salvation. Our, our precious, precious city has been spared. <laughs> Stinger!